What's up, everybody, and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, my name is Tim Kroll, and I'm the co-host focused on the topic of leadership here on the B2B Made Simple podcast. We have an exciting conversation coming, so let's not waste any time and jump right in. All right, welcome back. Man alive, this has been an incredible year already. I know when you're listening to this, it won't be the beginning of the year just because I've had so many awesome interviews, but I'm really, really excited to get this on and get it out. Shea Sparks is with me today. Man, I'm excited. We actually, she she invited me over onto her podcast and um, dare I say, pun intended, we sparked a fire. <laughs> yeah. From the gate, from the opening, from, hello. From the yeah. opening, we were in the green room like, okay, wait a minute, we need to pause or stop the conversation. Let's start recording right now. It was just so powerful. So um, I, I'm totally like messing up a normal introduction because that's just how I am. I love living life. <laughs> so this is not the normal introduction, but uh, Shea Sparks is the CEO of Sparks of Fire International. I mean, come on, how cool is that to have a last name Sparks and then tie that in with your business? That is like, oh man, branding 101 is like so awesome. I was saying that earlier. I think that's really cool. But you are, what did you say? The fun officer, the excitement off, what would the chief, I forgot what you said there, the Chief Excitement Officer. Excitement Officer. Yes. For Sparks of Fire International, you are a certified fearless coach, fearless living coach, my bad. Um, and you've done so much work around this whole topic of fear, how to overcome it, how to live through it, how to push through it, how it impacts our decisions. Uh, man, we're going to have a good conversation. So let yeah. me turn it over to I'm you. excited. <laughs> yeah, let me turn it over to you. Um, same kind of format as far as all of our other stuff, but I do want to hear a little bit about your journey. I want to hear a little bit about where and how you've come through life, the lessons that we've learned. And let me just put this in there because there are going to be two podcasts with Shea. So if you're listening to this one and you haven't heard the other one, uh, we are going to post that out there because we talked a lot about passing the mantle of leadership. This one is going to be a different conversation. So if you listen to the other one, now you're listening Great stuff. I'm telling you, make sure you stay all the way to the end because you never know what's going to show up. So with that said, Mike is yours, Shea. It's all yours. What was the question? Oh. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm like, yeah, so, so, so basically, I just want to turn over. I want to hear a little bit about your journey Got uh, it. because I want to hear a little bit about the background. And that's what I love about hearing about people. I don't necessarily always want to know what you do. I want to know how you got to where you're at and what excites you, what motivates you, what is your purpose? I want to hear about your journey. Got it. Great question. So I, at this stage of my life, I'll just start there. I am an overcomer. Uh, I've overcome abuse, addiction, anger, depression. Uh, I was a bully and I was bullied and I had low self-worth. And I didn't realize any of that until I was in my mid thirties. 
and was going through a time where I needed to heal. Uh, I had just gotten out of an abusive relationship and I really started to heal, take steps to heal myself. So I never went back to another relationship because as we all know, statistics are, uh, and a a person in a domestic violence situation goes back to another one. Mm. And I said, okay, one, I wanna make sure I never do this again. And what is it that I don't know that I need to know in order to move forward? And that question has really propelled me to where I am today. I started to go to a Christian counselor. I started reading books and and learning. And what I figured out was how it was very familiar and how my family, even though they weren't um, to the nth degree that um, my ex-boyfriend was as as abusive, they had abusive attributes. Mm. And I just learned to um, talk to my family differently. They were manipulating, they were emotionally unavailable, they were not nurturing, they were um, you know, standoffish and, and not really sharing. They weren't communicative, right? They didn't really mm-hmm. speak. They, we were very sarcastic. And so I just learned to ask, the, ask questions like, are you manipulating me? Are you being sarcastic? Who are you really mad at? Because sarcasm is anger in a clown suit. And so I really had to ask when they were being sarcastic with me, are you mad at me? Are you mad at someone else? And they were like, what are you talking about? And as I kept asking them questions to dive in deeper, they realized that they were actually angry with somebody else, but they were taking it out on me and never had any idea. Mm. So this whole conversation dynamic shifted for me. Mm -hmm shifted for me in my own head. A lot of times we get stuck on this negative self-talk, right? Of I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm weak. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm insignificant or, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not whatever. And I just realized that I was doing that to myself because it was just things that I had heard growing up. And so I started to shift the conversation that I had with myself so that I was able to shift it with my family. On the end of this, at this end, instead of in the beginning, so probably close to 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I mean, so many beautiful things came out of that. My dad became my best friend in the last five years of his life, where before we had such a tumultuous relationship when I was growing up, but there were years we didn't even speak. Wow. Um, Both my parents, unfortunately, have passed away, however, we were able to just really forgive and love on each other the mm. best way ever in their last years, in their last moments. Um, and, and my brother as well, I have two brothers and one as well. Um, he, unfortunately I lost him last year um, to the virus. So what I went through as a, in my personal life was able to shift my own personal life in such a way that it really impacted me in my business Mm. and impacted me to have the courage to be even more of the leader I was already being, but in a way that allowed me to communicate better to my team, better better communicate to anyone that's around me, Mm. to my vendors, to my, those types of things. Man, there's so much good stuff in there. 
I don't even know where to go with that because it's like, yes. <laughs> I mean, one of the themes that you kept talking about multiple times is the way to properly communicate. And I know we were talking about the topic of fear. So I guess maybe we could even jump off the diving board and start right there. How does fear impact our communications? Mm, gosh. Well, first of all, most of us go through life on autopilot. We don't even know that there is a, an inner dialogue going on in, in our mind. So we just think that what's what the information that we're mulling over, over and over again in our head is true, right? Mm-hmm. So we believe it. So when your voice says to yourself, when you're about to do something like um, uh, maybe it's to call a new client or maybe it's to go into a networking event or maybe it's to have, you know, meet somebody over Zoom for the first time, you might be thinking uh, something like, um, are they, they're probably not even going to like me. I'm probably not even going to be connected to this person. Um, you know, maybe it's, I'm not going to make the sale, you know, whatever it is that we say to ourselves, sometimes we don't even know we're saying it. So the first thing is to really acknowledge that you have an inner voice and really pay attention and notice what it is that you're saying to yourself. If you have anything that is not empowering you, if it's disempowering you, that is fear. Then if you're going in already in a disempowered state, how are your conversations going to be? Are they going to come from an empowered state or from a disempowered state? So when I was looking back, when I was going through my, my counseling and really, you know, realize and try to make a, a, amends that I was a bully in middle school, you know, middle school, junior high years, I thought, okay, so bullies, we all know hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. So bullies have typically been hurt in somewhere in their life and they're just acting out. So as I started to heal and I'm also a, a, a hairstylist. And so I would have people come in and sit in the chair and, you know, get their hair done with me. And I would share with them what I had learned about myself in the last, you know, however long that I had been since I've seen them, they would go out, change the way they were talking to their spouse or their their parent or their child or their boss or their coworker and come back and tell me that because of something I said, it changed their dynamic of their relationship. And I said, and, and I got to thinking about it really was like, so wait a minute here. So if the concept of hurt people hurt people. I'm wondering if empowered people empower people. Mm-hmm. And so if fear is stopping you, you cannot show up in the world as helpful, as a guide, as uh, someone to be utilized. If you show up empowered, it's literally overflowing from you. That's really cool. So let me recap, if that's okay, right? Yes. So you said there's basically four things as far as how the impact, how the fear impacts the communication. Number one is you have to acknowledge that there is 
something going on inside, right? There's that inner voice. There's the things that you're telling yourself. Number two is you have to pay attention to the words. Now you didn't say this exact thing. I was trying to write fast, so I couldn't keep up, <laughs> but you have to pay attention to the words that you're telling yourself. Then you have to note those words. Are they empowering or disempowering? Yes. Because however that happens, whatever that happens, that's what the impact, that's what creates the impact on the conversation. Yes. And then the conclusion that you drew off of that was, if it's disempowering, that means it's te technically hurtful, negative type conversations. And then from there, the hurt people will hurt, which is the translation into the bully aspect. But empowered people will empower others, which is the conclusion of where we want to get. How do we get there? How do yeah. we become an empowered person? Yeah, I love that. So taking us back to the, the step where you said you notice what you're saying, is it disempowering or empowering? So I just had this uh, conversation with one of my coaching clients yesterday. So it was to notice how many times you're beating yourself up. How many times are you literally putting yourself down? That inner negative, that inner voice, is it negative? And I, uh, I, I actually, several years ago, I wrote a book called How to Get Your Voice Back. And one of the exercises I have you do in there is to brain dump. And that is to literally write it, write it down. What mm, is it that I you're saying that. to yourself? I love that. Yeah. What is it that you're saying to yourself? Because a lot of times, again, it goes back to being on autopilot. We don't even know that it's happening. So mm -hmm. once you get it down on paper and you can really see it and you're like thinking, oh my gosh, I would never say this to my, my spouse, my kid, my, my anything. I wouldn't say this to my friend. Why am I saying that to myself? Then it is your duty now that you are aware of what you're saying to yourself is to fill that up. So now you know what you're saying. So if you remove something, you have to fill it back in, right? So write down the opposite. So if you say I'm stupid, you say I'm smart and you use the words I am. So instead of I'm not smart enough, you start saying I am smart, right? right. I am not a leader. I am a leader. Uh, you know, it, it, even in the physical aspect, when people talk about, you know, the beginning of the year, want to lose weight, they say, I'm, I'm fat, or I'm whatever. They say, I'm fit. I am strong. So just by shifting your mindset from focusing on the negative to now you can see the positive, you can physically see it because you've written it out. You're starting to shift your mind from fear to freedom, from fear to hope. When you see that I am statements and it, uh, people call them an affirmation, mm -hmm. you can even take goals. And instead of saying, I want to blank, you can already pretend like it happened. And you say, right. I am that thing. Your brain starts to automatically think differently. It is not something you cognizantly have to do. It automatically starts to think differently like it is happening because you have created a neuro pathway that is now different than what it was going before. And now your, your actions, your thoughts will start to take place. So now your emotions will take shift a little bit. When you shift your thoughts, what's next is your emotions. 
So maybe you're going into that meeting before, maybe you're a little feeling a little um, anxious, feeling a little bit on edge or, or maybe even a little sad. And now because you've shifted that mindset, you can start to feel a little excited. You can start to feel a little happy, a little bit uh, like excited about what's next, right? And uh, just to put it into context of excitement and nervous, excitement and nervous is the same feeling. I was just going to say that. <laughs> and how it shows up in your body. Yep. yep it's just yep. what you call it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I have physically noticed the difference in my own personal life, the shift of that. And, and yes. I, I've the story that I kind of tell about mastering fear is about when I almost died. And so one of the things that I noticed when I was about ready to step into the kayak going down this real turbulent river um, was I was very, very nervous and anxious about it. And I was able to then come back and talk to myself and say, no, I'm actually excited because there's this new opportunity. And it felt, it it felt the same, but I just told myself two different things. So it's interesting that you brought that up because I've done that exact same thing. And I can tell you from experience, that is the truth. They are the exact same feeling. Yes. So now that you've you've shifted that right into identifying your positive emotions, that your emotions is what drives you to take action. And that action creates a result. And when your thoughts feelings and actions are coming from a place of freedom or hope versus fear mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the results are because they're all you're always going to be going in the forward yeah yeah so basically if we follow this cycle i mean if we drew it in a cycle freedom and hope create positive thoughts positive thoughts create great emotions great emotions create good actions good actions create generate the results that you're looking for the opposite yeah. is true. The fear creates negative thoughts. Negative thoughts create scary emotions. Those scary emotions cause us to act in certain ways, which Absolutely. then obviously we either get zero results or negative results, one of the two. Absolutely. So yeah. one of the things you mentioned there was the fact of to write it down. So are you writing down the negative or are you writing down the, like, because you kind of inc- you hinted towards this fact. And I think this is what you mean by one clarity you're writing down the things that you notice that are negative that you're saying to yourself. Yeah. Are you then them. saying, then you rewrite those down. So you physically are writing them down the negative things. And then you physically write down the positive things, the opposite of whatever those are. Yeah. So when you write down the negative things, it's called a brain dump. Right. Because what we want to do is uh, allow your, your brain to really see that you don't have to hold on to those. Right. So that's why, yes, you physically write them down. And then you go through and write the opposite thing. So you can start to identify. So as time goes on, even if you do this on a a regular basis, whether it be weekly, daily, what have you, as time goes on, your brain will literally start picking up those positive reinforcements, rather positive affirmations, rather than focusing on the negative because you're, you're taking action. Remember how we just described that? Yeah. So this is that action piece is writing it down. Okay. So I have a question, mostly because my son is a huge Office fan and I've watched some of the Office. There's this one episode where Dwight's going in to try to ask for a raise and it's 
they kind of make fun of him for doing all of the affirmations. So I want to address this because there is this context or this belief that these affirmations that we do are just a bunch of hocus pocus. Sure. And so I want to at least bring up that topic because of the fact that, you know, there's probably a, a hocus pocus way to look at affirmations, but there's a real way to look at affirmations. So what is the difference between the two? Because Dwight sits there and he does karate. He's like, I am special. And he does a high, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, dude, <laughs> you know, that's not real. That's not necessarily the way that that's meant to be. Right. I'm assuming that's not meant to be that way. Right. So, well, first of all, that's TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> Number one. But, but TV kind of defines some of our reality, right? So we take from that. Yeah. So actually, it's really interesting because my uh, coach who mentored me, who created the Fearless Living Institute, Rhonda Britton, she tells a story about how affirmations didn't work for her. Mm. And so they don't work for everybody. Now, when they don't work is because you're expected, you have an expectation around that result. For an example, um, going in and saying, I want a raise, I, I, I am getting a raise. So you have set up your brain to expect that you are getting a raise, mm. right? That's the expectation. So whenever you have an expectation about something, it's only divide that that is fear fear shows up in expectations so fear shows up of course you're not going to get a raise because that's not just how that's not how it works if you showed up and said i'm getting a raise and you were okay even if you didn't get a raise maybe you're getting a raise in in clients maybe you get a raise in uh you know find money in your your mailbox unexpectedly there's different ways to get a raise right? So when you ha let go of that expectation, and believe me, that is so <laughs> not easy. That's a, like a four hour conversation right there. Right, right. Um, it is really about uh, being open to whatever the result is. So just like when I said, when we, you know, create uh, the, our different thoughts, and to, that creates different emotions, the result drives our, our um, the emotions drive our actions, actions get results, it gets results. Result is forward. It might not be the actual result you wanted because so you were expected to have it, yep. but it is a result, right? So for example, my, my coach, she says that she was in a loving and, and caring relationship and she went to every party expecting that she was going to find somebody to be in a loving and caring relationship with. And she's like with my perfect partner. And it's like, it didn't happen. And I'm like, because you were, and I'm saying this to her, <laughs> who's my teacher, which is so funny. I'm like, because she was a, a, attached to that expectation. When you let go of the attachment and just be open, then that's where it's okay. That's how it, it you're not worried about when, it's just allowing it to happen. But it's also you know, Tim, the a key component here is that it's in the very beginning stages of just rewriting the negative to the positive. It's changing the neural pathways in your brain, the neuroplasticity to start driving you in that direction. Right. So it's not about I do it one day and then at the end of the week results are going to happen. No, this is a lifelong process. 
Yeah, that perspective, I think, changes everything because so many people, when they look at these affirmations, and again, I, I'm using TV as an example because that's an exaggerated yeah. scenario, right? That's not probably real life. Most people don't go around in the lobby or the hallway and they have rock music playing and I am that, you know, like I'm sure that's probably, well, maybe it does happen. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's why they created that. Me. But but the real the reality is the fact that I think many have a misunderstanding of what affirmations do and how they, they think it's a miracle kind of a thing where they just, if I put it out there in the world, then I'm going to get exactly what I'm wishing for. Mm. And I get frustrated with that because I know that that's not the way life works. I mean, life doesn't work just, Hey, I'm going to wish for something. Then I'm not going to put in the hard work. I'm not going to put in what you're calling the actions, which I would classify as the hard work. I'm not going to do that, but I expect the results. Like, dude, that's, that's not how it works. You don't just wish for something upon a star and not do anything and expect to get it. you don't win a baseball game by not practicing you don't win a football game or a basketball game by not practicing or doing and planning and having a game plan it's so often we enter our lives and our businesses that way right it's like right. golly man you gotta be smarter right. than that <laughs> right so 15 years ago um 15 years ago i was in a uh, um situation where i was an employee in a salon and I was miserable. I felt mm. I was one in a miserable relationship, but I was just in a miserable, toxic environment, a work environment. And I started to do this and really dream about what it is that I wanted, what it is that I wanted in life. And some people talk about, um, you know, what do you want in your obituary or what do you want in, um, you know, in five years, someone to pat you on the back? What do you that you want them to say a press release about you? And I use the example of it's your hundredth birthday mm. and you're there, you've made it to a hundred, right? And everybody is talking about your accolades and what you've done and what you've accomplished. What do you want people to say about you? And then reverse engineer it to say, I want this, I want to do this, I want to do that. And you make a list and that's kind of where you start from those I am statements, right? So you can even go a little bit further from those I am statements and, and start with the negative to the positive. And now you can start thinking bigger than what you've ever thought before, right? Right. And then you can start to plan. That planning is action. Now, what's funny is I did this 15 years ago and everything that is in my bit, my uh, career, I am statements, I can literally cross off. Isn't that exciting? And I had probably like 20. Mm. Yeah. And I can't believe, I can't, can't believe it. I mean, it still it gives me chills just thinking about it right now. Like, and it's because it's in that, it's in your, pro, it's in your mind. It's in your brain. It's, it might sitting back here on uh, like background music <laughs> that you don't right. even know is really playing. You're not even really listening to it, but your steps, when you're interested in those things that drives that emotion, right. And that takes your, your result, your action, and then you're going to get results. And that results might be what you don't want to do. <laughs> right because so that's the result too yeah I, yeah absolutely so let's let's and, and this is where the application i think comes into play and this is where i love to make things simple okay so that's our goal let's see if we can simplify this down and talk directly to the leaders 
of a company and whether you own a large company, you're the CEO of the company, you're the business owner, how does this practically apply? Because we know at the very beginning, we talked about the fact that fear is what is creating the actions, the results, the thoughts, all of the whole nine yards right there. And so there's two, two components here. And I want to make sure that, that we're clear because I think there's two questions that we need to answer. So number one, how do we simplify this? What we're kind of talking about is the theory, but how do we simplify it into a daily action that somebody can put into place as a leader when they're saying, I have the board members breathing down my neck. I've got to produce more. I've got to have better results. I've got to, I've got to make this sale or else my job is done. Because that's sometimes where people are living. They're living in that almost survival type mode. If I don't do this one thing, if I don't get this raise, that expectation that you're talking about, if yeah. I don't have that, everything is over. So how does this apply when they're under that extreme pressure? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I want to give you the uh, platform or the, the microphone to be able to talk about how do we connect those dots? Well, that's a really great question. And uh, the simple answer is that it's not simple. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. uh, however, one thing to consider when that is happening is to really think about how you want to show up as a leader. Mm. So we talked about those affirmations, right? So how is it that you want to show up? What characteristics do you want to uh, have when you go into that meeting? What characteristics do you want to attribute when you are sitting in front of the board and they're breathing down your neck, but yet you're just being allowed to be, you know, you? Do you want to go in and uh, defend yourself or do you want to go in and be vulnerable and say, this is what it is? Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between leading from your head and being able to lead from your heart and your head mm -hmm. is really identifying how you want to show up. Yeah. So I kind of set you up with that question. I hope that's okay. Because <laughs> I fully, <laughs> of course. Um, this was something that I struggled with in the result that my identity was tied directly to my results. And yes. I believed, and this was for a long time, but probably I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years or so of just my own life of being in the corporate world, being in whether it was my own business or partnership or however it ended up working. I always believed that my identity tied directly with my results. Therefore, because of that belief, and I, I need to make sure that's clear, because of that belief, that made me look at affirmations as something as kind of silly and goofy because, well, that's not going to work because that's not going to produce that exact result because there was an expectation that was tied to it, just like what you were saying. And it wasn't until I realized that I had to break off my identity to who I was and how I was created, that it gave me the freedom to show up. Like you just said, making decision on how I want to show up when I'm sitting in that boardroom. Yeah. And you can even take like, uh, you know, for instance, who are your listeners, you can think about someone that you admire, right. Mm -hmm. Who has characteristics that you admire, even if you don't admire everything about that person, but you admire something about them. Mm -hmm. And then your affirmation becomes, I like, let's pretend that you give me, give me a characteristic of somebody that you admire, Tim. I was just going to look up his name. 
Um, yeah, because okay. I was just literally thinking about here, and he's he, and you're probably going to be able to get this, but he was the host for the Miss America pageant, and he came back out after he announced the wrong winner, and I forgot his name. Steve Harvey. Um, Leon, thank you. Yeah. yeah, because that to me showed up. I, I respect that guy, that dude, man. That that made like I loved him all that much more. I didn't even know who he was before that, and then he did that, and I'm like, oh, dude, I want to see everything that he's done. So that that that's one trait that I would say for sure. Leon, yeah, absolutely. So what would you call that? Would you call that um, being able to responsible? He took responsibility for his actions. That's exactly Perfect. what he did. Perfect. So in the, in the world of affirmations, right, you could say, I am responsible. I take responsibility for my actions. Mm. You could also say and add this, uh, you know, hopefully your, your, your listeners are taking notes. I am willing to practice being responsible for my actions actions and words, right? Not just being responsible for my actions, but being responsible for my words. Cause he could have come out there and he's a comedian. He could have blamed everybody. He could have been like, Oh, just kidding. Ha ha. You know, he could have been that. And instead, like you said, he came out and he was like, I, I don't know how to handle, you know, it's like, I don't know what to do. Kind of like we talked about that before the little bit of uh, being vulnerable of this is what it is. You know, and um, and it's okay to show emotion of not knowing. And that took me years to understand. Mm. Yeah. As a leader, we don't always have to know the answers. In fact, just what Tim described is that it creates respect when you're able to admit that you don't know the answers. <laughs> Or that you take responsibility for something that you messed up. And it may not have even been his fault. That was what amazed me because I at, I was reading a little bit later. I don't know that it was his fault. I think they gave him the wrong cart. But yet he took full responsibility for it. Sure. Which was like, that is unbelievable. That just totally blew me away. So here's the other thing too. And I, I want to I kind of touch on this component as well. I had to come to the realization because I was chasing results and my identity was tied to results that put me in a bad position. It put me in a wrong position. And sometimes if you're sitting in front of the board and you realize that the only results, the only thing that matters is those results that you got that day, you've built your life up to that point to put yourself in that position. And mm. you've probably spent 20 years trying to get to that position. Mm. And suddenly you realize this is not where I want to be. Mm. Because as you look at these affirmations and you're looking at how this is, this is truly, like you said, I love using the reference of the North Star because that's your purpose. That's what you're guiding towards, right? It's not the end goal. It's something that directs your entire life. And as you look at that, the affirmations speak to my core and resonate with me when I start looking at it and say, how do I want to leave that legacy? I don't care if I made a million dollars here this last year. That's a result. Great. But that doesn't mean that's who I am. Right. Whereas a couple of years ago, it did mean that's who I was. Right. So it's a, it was a big, big break for me. And I think that's really important, especially as we talk to business leaders, your CEO type, the guys that are, you know, the high level drivers, at the end of the day, you really need to take an account if you're in that position and your identity is, is tied to those results, you need to take an account of where your life is going. So yeah, I don't want to get too heavy. Can I, can I speak to that for a minute? <laughs> please, please do. So I work with um, veterans or people who are transitioning from the military, as mm. as well as as small business owners. 
And one of the things that happens is that you have worked, like you said, a 20 year career. You are now the Colonel, Lieutenant, you know, Chief Master Sergeant, whatever the, the big titles are. And then you retire. Or let's say in the corporate world, you get laid off. You get downsized. Yep. Yeah. It's gone. Yep. You're no longer Colonel. You're no longer a Chief Master Sergeant. You're just Tim. You're just Bob, right? And so that is why it's important to really take your identity away from a title mm -hmm. and apply it to a characteristic on how you want to show up mm -hmm. because you can still be, you know, taking responsibility for your actions and your words as just Tim instead of CEO. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this actually answers that other second question that I didn't ask yet, but I wanted to bring up because this is exactly where you're going. It's the fact that oftentimes we, or I should say some, and men, when we look at this, we have that, and, and probably people have already shut off the podcast. I'll just be quite honest with you because they've rolled their eyes. are like, oh my goodness, you're talking about affirmations again. I can't believe we're talking. This never works for me. Like they already have turned off. So if you're still listening, thank you, appreciate you. <laughs> but it is so true because oftentimes we think we've got it all together and we think like, Hey, you know, I don't need to do this. It's like, I've already got it. So I don't know if you have something to add to that because I know that's another piece of this puzzle. If you think you've got it all together, better be careful, man. That's a, that's a really quick line to cross over into a nervous breakdown. Yeah. So if, <laughs> so my thought process on that is when you think you have it all together, that's when things fall apart, right? Mm -hmm. To show you that you don't have it all together. Um, that's what God, universe, whatever you want to call it. I call it personally call it God, but that's when he kind of shows you like, no, you're not really in charge here. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, I think when you have a mind and it goes back to mindset, really, yeah. when you have a mindset of that. It shows that you're not willing to grow. And that, to me is when you stop willing to grow, you stop willing to live. Mm. What else is there? You've done it all. You've achieved it all. What else is there? So you're no longer really thriving. Mm -hmm. You're just existing. So I would ask, you know, if you're, when your listeners are listening to this and you're like, wow, that really hit, you know, really think about, why, what prompted you to stop growing? Because, you know, maybe you've become that, you know, multimillionaire, multibillionaire, whatever it is that you are. And yet your ego inflated to that as well. And that's where the mindset comes in. I say the word ego, but it's really mindset. Your, your mindset became that big as well. Right. But yet you're not willing to check in with your heart. So that's when, so a, a lot of times leaders will only focus on what their thoughts are, but they don't tap into what their emotions are again, because the emotions is what drives the actions. Right. So they're not noticing what's really the driver behind that. So because they've stopped growing, I guarantee you there is something in there in their mind swirling around that is poking them that they are not happy about, that they are <laughs> disappointed about in themselves, yep. that they are beating themselves up, but they're not willing to admit it out loud, but they're, it's there and it's jabbing them 
and they don't want to admit it. Yeah. And the only way to admit it or the only way to grow is to admit it. Yeah. Well, and you just brought up uh, Mindset was a book written by Carol DeWire, uh, yes. The Growth Mindset versus Fixed yes. Mindset. Yes. Frankly, I think it's come up on four of the different podcasts that I've had because it's that good and it's so relevant. Yes. Um, so if you haven't read it, now you're the third one in or fourth one in, whatever you're at, you might want to get that book because now we've talked about it at least three or four different times on different podcasts. So it's it's really that much of an impact. And that's exactly what you said. So, all right. We've been talking a little bit, kind of need to wrap it up here. What would be one thing out of all the stuff that we've talked about that you would want somebody to walk away with? Just if, if they only had to, only could imply or apply or implement one thing, what would that one thing be? Mm. Um, be, be willing, period. Be And that could be anything. It could be willing to practice something new. It could be willing to, to take a new risk. It could be willing to be vulnerable. It could be willing to meet new people. It could be willing to look at yourself in a different way. Mm. Just be willing. Mm. I love that. All right. How can they get a hold of you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Is it email, LinkedIn? Where, where are you at? Um, all of the above. So <laughs> my, <laughs> my email is hey Shay at shaysparks.com and that's s-h-a-s-p-a-r-k-s.com and uh, all my social media links are on there but uh, LinkedIn is a great way to get connect with me that's how you know Tim that's how you reach out to me um, so yeah definitely reach out connect with me on LinkedIn send me a message I would awesome. love to chat yeah absolutely um, okay and this is a surprise question I usually don't tell people I'm going to ask this question but I always like to put it out there and I'm going to say, here's a question. And I already know what the answer is going to be. What's one book that you would recommend? And the answer always comes back. Well, I have this one, but can I add this one and this one? So that's fine. What's one book that you would say, Hey, this, you got to read this book. This is one of the life-changing books that I've read. Boundaries. Is that the one by Smalley, Gary Smalley? No, it is uh, by McLeod and Thompson. Oh, that's right. Or that's Townsend. Right. McLeod and Townsend. Right. Boundaries. Because I think it, I, it helps you identify what's yours and what's not yours. So just like you were talking about the Steve Harvey incident where he said, you know, took responsibility, right. he was able to put a boundary of what's his responsibility. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, what's really, cause I, I'm going to go one step further on that. Cause I actually love the books, books, I should say, because they have boundaries with your kids, boundaries in your marriage. He's rewritten that book several times to apply to different components yes. and different ways in your life. So if you've got, situation or a challenge, you can always look up boundaries in, and you may or may not, he may not, may not have that, whatever that topic is. I do know he has, cause I've read the one with marriage, read the one with the kids and there's a couple others that are out there. So really, really great stuff. I love that. That's actually two or three books all in one. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else you want to add before we go? Anything that's burning and said like, look, I just got to say this. Nothing other than, you know, I, I love our conversations, Tim, and I hope that, you know, your listeners really um, glean from our conversation, some, some nuggets that they can take with them. And I'm available to talk to, you know, anyone, if they want to comment or have questions, I would love to hear from them. Yeah. And I would tell you guys too, what she says is absolutely true. She will respond. Promise you that. Cause I've reached out a couple of different times and immediately got a response. So I know for a fact that she will respond. So take her up on that. That is a huge, huge value, which I'm sure you'll never, ever regret. 
All right. So until next time, you guys, man, I appreciate how long you've stayed with us. We've kind of talked a little bit longer. I try to keep these short, but there's so much good stuff. Just couldn't shut it up. <laughs> so, all right. So until next time, uh, keep making it the best life you can living forward. Love y'all. And we'll talk soon. I wanted to say thanks again for joining into our conversation. You know, one of the things that I've seen across the board, whether you're a business leader, owner, entrepreneur, or even a leader, is the struggles that we go through and feeling like we're all alone. We've created a class, a workshop type class called MentorMind, where we meet for six months. In that six months, you were able to meet and talk with other people that are going through much of the same situation, same scenarios, same challenges, and it gives us a great way to be able to connect, grow, support, and encourage each other. And if you've often felt like there's no one else that you can share with, let me invite you to MentorMind, where you can share some of the challenges, come up with solutions, and be able to live the best life that you have. We'll talk soon, guys.